From Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, this is a special edition of Crosswalk. What does it mean to be called a minister of the gospel? Well, of course, in a very real sense, all followers of Jesus are called to minister in His name. But there are those who answer the call to full-time vocational ministry. What role does the church play in that call? What does answering that call look like? Well, today we're taking a break from our series, Jesus, the Real Action Hero, our current study based on the book of Mark in the New Testament. Join us now as we take the opportunity today to ordain John Spolino to the gospel ministry. John has served on our staff as worship pastor for the past two years. And today, Cross Culture is acknowledging God's call on John's life through the tradition of an ordination service. You'll hear a bit of John's call to the ministry in today's message, but you'll also hear as Pastor Clay takes us to Acts chapter 13 and shows us the responsibility of the church and the responsibility of the candidate. It's an honor anytime a church has the opportunity to do this, and we're glad you've joined us today. To start this ordination service, we felt it was appropriate uh, to remind you all who are here today and John of uh, God's expectations on on a man who answers that call to vocational ministry. So Bill Powell is coming. He serves as one of our elders uh, here at Cross Culture Church, and he's going to read uh, pass the scripture to you and then uh, open uh, this uh, service, uh, this part of the service in prayer. Bill? Thank you, Clay. Um, I just got to say, that was some awesome praise, wasn't it? Amen. I mean, praise the Lord. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's our privilege to worship with each and every one of you today. Thank you for coming. Um, I am going to share God's word from 1 Timothy 3. It's verses 1 through 7. Uh, and here uh, God is speaking to us about the office of overseer, which, correct me if I'm wrong, pastor, office of pastor. That's right. right. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer... It is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer, then, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, uncontentious, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? And not a new convert, lest he become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he may not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Okay, shall we pray? Dear Lord God, we thank you for bringing all of us together to worship together, uh, to come together as your body. Um, today, we want to um, celebrate and, and dedicate to you, to your service, um, John Spolino. We just thank you for the opportunity, Lord, that you've brought leaders to our body, uh, to guide your body, mm-hmm. 
to do so much hard work that I see going on to just keep the ministries going and lead the ministries, Lord. Uh, we just thank you for this opportunity to dedicate uh, to your service. And uh, we just pray that uh, you would watch over um, John and Amber as they go forward, Lord, that you would give them your hand of protection and that you would uh, always be guiding him in your will. We we, uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bill. When my uh, boys, uh, when our boys were little, uh, they were all involved in uh, different sports at, at different times. And, uh, you know, at the height of it, I can remember, and some of you who ha- are raising small children now or have raised children perhaps can identify with this, uh, I can remember uh, times where we were just running everywhere, uh, taking them to practices, to ball games, running uh, all over the county, one at this end, one at that end, different ball games at the same time, different places, running everywhere. Uh, but we always tried to make sure that we, that we got them to every practice and that we uh, attended uh, every game because we, we thought it was important. We thought it was important that they that our children knew that we were there for them, that our, that our children knew that, that we believed in them, that our children knew that, uh, that we were excited for them. In a way, that's what we're doing here today. Now, an ordination service certainly is not uh, a game, But it is an opportunity for us as a church uh, to say to this young man who has been ministering among us for about two years now that that we believe in him, that we we, uh, are excited for him, that we want to always support him in what he's doing. That's kind of what this service is all about. John Spolino... uh, already had God's call upon his life when he came to us. But in the providence of God, cross-culture church has been given both the privilege and the responsibility of officially acknowledging that call upon his life. That's what an ordination service is. And so because we have that privilege and we have that responsibility, I want to remind you today, church, that we have a charge in this not just in this service, but in the life of this young man and in his soon-to-be wife and family. So if you have a copy of God's Word today, uh, you can open it to Acts chapter 13. We're going to walk through a pretty familiar story for some of us in Acts chapter 13. We're going to be in there, be in Acts 14 a little bit as well. But I just want to bring a charge to you, church, this morning, uh, just briefly. And then uh, John's going to come in just a moment, share his story a little bit. Then we'll have some words for him. But what, what are some things we need to be reminded of uh, as a church? What are some things that, that, that are important to us? Here's the first one this morning that I want you to notice. The church was sensitive to God's call. I'm going to read in Acts chapter 13 and uh, verses 1 and 2. Now there were at Antioch in the church that was there prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, 
and Lucius of Cyrene and Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, who is Paul. God changed his name from Saul to Paul, just so you guys know that. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. One of the things that can happen sometimes in a church is that a church can become so, uh, so busy, so consumed with, uh, with meetings and programs and all the different kind of stuff uh, going on, good stuff, whatever. Uh, but it, a church can become so busy, so consumed with all that stuff that it forgets that God is still actively working, that God is still looking for opportunities to, uh, to engage the church, the local body, in his kingdom work. And that includes God is always and continually still calling people out to the, the service of dedicating their entire lives what we would call vocational ministry, uh, to uh, answering his call. He's still in the business of doing that. Antioch, man, they were blowing the doors off. They were growing. They were reaching people. People in the surrounding area of Antioch were coming to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Great teachers were teaching, expounding the word of God to them, and they were growing in their faith. They were maturing in their faith. But listen, the church at Antioch got it right. They realized that God's got more work. God's always got other things going on. And so they were sensitive to God's spirit. How easy would it have been to have just looked around and seen all that God was doing and, and just said, man, isn't this great? God is, so, God is blessing us. God is doing such a, such a good work, it, which he was. It certainly was a, was a God thing that was going on. But how easy would it have been to just settle into that? But instead, they were sensitive to God's work. Notice the text says that they were praying and that they were fasting. The implication is, is that they were looking for God to speak to them. That they weren't satisfied with where they were. They were looking for God to say more. And they were asking God for more. God, what else? What else do you want us to do? That's always what I pray that we as a church, at Cross Call Church, would always be sensitive to the Spirit of God and what He would desire to do through, through new ministries, through new opportunities through new uh, people answering God's call to ministry, that that we would be as sensitive to the Spirit of God as the church at Antioch was. That's a call for us. That's a charge for us as a church. Here's a second one. The church was submitted to God's will. We read the same verses again. Now there were at Antioch in the church... That was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now, think about it. Imagine if you are in the church at Antioch roughly 2,000 years ago. Imagine, you're in the midst of it, and it's happening, and it's growing, and, and, and they're growing, and, and, and the Fab Five is, you know, is, is the teaching them, and, and all this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, the Spirit says, I want you to set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. I, I, w- I want to send them somewhere else. Are you kidding me? Really? God, we're, we're blowing the doors off here. God, we're, we're growing. We're reaching people. And, and it's, it's a large, in large part due to their teaching. They're teaching us we're growing in our faith and we're becoming bold in our witness. And, and now you want to bust up this, this teaching team and you want to send two of our, our prize teachers off somewhere? Come on. Okay. You want to send some people out, out yonder? Fine. We can find a couple of guys that'll go, but don't, not, not, not Barnabas, not Paul. We need them right here. Doesn't it make more sense for them to stay and grow us up and mature in our faith? 
See, see, sometimes what God calls us to do may not make a lick of sense to us up here, but that's not the point, is it? It's being submitted to God's will for our lives as individuals and for the life of the church. Did, did they want Barnabas, Barnabas and, did I just say Barnabas? <laughs> it's the team, Barnabas. Did they want Barnabas to go out from their midst? No, I don't think so. I think, man, just the thought of sitting under their teaching and everything, that's awesome. But they were submitted to God's will. Listen, this is a great truth for us to always remember as a church. It doesn't matter whether we understand what God is doing. It doesn't matter whether we even like what God is doing. What matters is that we always submit to what God is doing. That's a call of the church. That's the charge of the church. Let me give you a third one. The church was supportive of God's men. Look at verse 3. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Uh, Fasting and praying and the laying on of hands are all all part of the the practices of the church. Laying on of hands can can perhaps have some different significance uh, to it, but certainly one of the things that we can say the significance of of them laying hands on, on Barnabas and Paul was that they, they identified that God's call was on their life. It was a way of saying, we know that God is calling them to do this and, and, and we're, we're willing to let them go because we know this is God's call on their life. It's a way of identifying uh, God's call on their life. Laying hands on them uh, was also a way of saying uh, and, and asking God to, to watch over them, protect them and, and provide for them. Listen, I, I don't know, but I doubt if there were many, if any, wealthy people at the church in Antioch. And I'm, but I'm sure they sent Paul and Barnabas off with whatever they could to support them in the way of resources, including financial resources. I, I'm sure they sent them off with all that stuff. But they knew that ultimately that all that stuff was going to run out and they needed God to be there and to watch over and protect those men and to be a part of that work. Laying their hands on them was a way of saying, God, be with these men, watch over these men, protect these men. And I'll add this too, laying their hands on them was a way of identifying with those two men. It was a way for the church in Antioch to say, hey, these are our sons. These are our brothers in the faith. We are honored to identify with them. We are proud to send them out to the service of God. They were, it was the, notice the connection, the power of touch. And they were touching, they were laying their hands on them and they were saying, these are ours. We're, we're proud to send them out. That's, that's what the church is called to do. Listen, John and Amber, they're not, they're not leaving our midst. They've been ministering here. We've had the opportunity to observe John's ministry for the last two years. They're, they're, not, they're not leaving here today. They're, they're part of this ministry. They're going to continue to engage the culture around us. They're going to continue to have an impact in, in Raleigh whether it's through uh, the leading of, of worship of the Lord, whether it's instructing new uh, musicians and singers, or whether it's uh, helping Ivy and Allie in, in student ministry, whether it's uh, preaching, whether it's life group ministry, or, or whatever else it is, uh, they're going to continue to have an intricate part of that. But the day may very well come when they'll answer the call to another ministry field. How great it will be for them to know that the church that was charged with the responsibility to ordain them is the church that will take the responsibility to continue to pray for them through the years of ministry as they, as they move forth. Wherever God might lead them, they were supportive 
Let me give you, uh, I think I got, I got one more. This is good. The church was sharing. If I might say so myself, this is good. <laughs> the church was sharing in God's victory. Uh, now, chapter 13 goes on, gets into all the details of the trip. Chapter 14, all the details of the trip and all that went on and all the places they went. And then you get to the end of chapter 14. Where is it? Verse uh, 26. Listen to this. From there, they sailed to Antioch, sailed back to Antioch from which they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had accomplished. And when they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a long time with the disciples. This night, I'm sure it was a joyous reunion, don't you think? The, the map that you see up on the screen basically uh, shows you the, 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 the path that Barnabas and, and Paul took on their missionary journey as, a, as they left Antioch and they s- sailed over and, and on around and on up and all through uh, Lystra and Derby and Iconia, all those different cities that you can read about in Acts chapter 13 and 14 and all, all that, that went on up there. And they came back around roughly 1,500 miles and somewhere between two and a half to three years later, later they make their way back to Antioch. And man, you know the church is a buzz. They're back, they're back, they're back. And they gathered together and there was, man, there were so many stories to tell, stories of danger, stories of, of uh, excitement, stories of, of good, stories of bad. But I'm guessing that when they gathered that church together, the thing that they talked about the most was the lives that had been changed as a result of the ministry that had gone on. Uh, Sergius Paulus, we'll read about it in a moment. Sergius Paulus is the first person named who came to faith in Jesus Christ as a result of their ministry. But one became dozens, and dozens became hundreds, and hundreds became thousands. And it's not a stretch to say that thousands became millions as a result of the ministry that started there. And listen to me, the church at Antioch was right there in the middle of it, sharing in the victories that God was bringing. What an awesome thought to hear the stories and to know how God was working and what God had done because this church was willing to send out two of their, two of their best that they didn't, probably didn't want to lose, but they were willing to send them out so that God could use them to engage the world around them. They were sharing in the victories. I'll, I'll say it again. If that day comes when, when John and Amber leave us, how awesome it is to think that Cross Culture Church forever will have a part in their ministries, wherever he leads them, and who, however many people come into the kingdom of God as a result of the ministry that John will have through the years, that you and I have a part in that. How awesome will that be? We get to share in the victories of those that God calls out from our midst. That's a charge, church. Every one of those points and more, what we need to take seriously when, when God is working in people's lives. John is going to come now and he's going to share his story of what God has done and how God has brought him to this moment in his life. Well, good morning. Awesome. Um, Clay asked me to speak a little bit about my testimony and how I came to know Christ as my Savior. And while I'll touch on that, really my testimony is about when I realized what it meant to follow Jesus. Uh, some of you might be able to relate with me. I grew up in a, in a household that went to church often. Uh, 
was in Sunday school, you know, learned all the things. I think I was the only kid in third grade when the teacher asked, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I think I raised my hand and I said the Pope. And so um, not many kids probably would say that. But, you know, that's, I, I loved what I was learning. But the problem was I didn't really know what it meant to follow Jesus. I'm a firm believer that God can save anybody at any age. And so I believe that he, I was saved when I was young. I believe that there's evidence in my life to, to say that. However, like most of us do, we grow up and we start to compartmentalize our life. And so I had God in this box over here. You know, I had school in this box. Well, you know, how much school is there for like a fifth grader? But, you know, school over here. And then I had, um, you know, extracurricular activities over here. Then as I grew up, you know, I started work over here. But God was very disconnected in every area of my life. And as a result of having God completely disconnected from my from every area of my life, I allowed sin to creep in. And see, most people think that the problem with sin is the physical effects, but really it's the spiritual effects of sin that are the worst. You know, James chapter 1 talks about how uh, sin is like being caught in a trap. He talks about a lure. You're lured away by your, your passion or your desire. It's kind of this metaphor like a fish to a lure. Or I know we had Duck Dynasty fans, so like a duck call to ducks, you know, duck commander call, whatever it is. It is luring us away. It's making us turn away. So Satan is most effective in your life with sin is if you're turning away from God and walking away from him. And that's what happened. Because when I started to, to not trust God in one area of my life, it led me to not trust him in every area of my life. Um, I, I'll give you an example. For me personally, it was pornography. And so I said, you know what, God, I don't really think it's that big of a deal. And as soon as I say, God, I don't think it's that big of a deal, then I'm saying, I think I know better than you. And got to the point where years later, I was saying to myself, God, can I even trust that you're real? Can I even know that you're real? It didn't dawn on me to think that maybe it was my sin that was causing a poor relationship with God. But James continues in this passage when he talks about sin and he says, you know, the God is the father of lights and in him, in him there is no variation or shifting shadow. James is saying, if you have a poor relationship with God, it's not his fault. It's your fault. God is constant. You are not. And uh, I was reading my devotions this morning and uh, I've been reading as I mentioned a few times, a Spurgeon devotional, and it was just on point today with, with my testimony about learning to know what it is about uh, being a follower of Jesus. And this is what he writes. He says, tell me where you lost the company of Christ, and I will tell you the most likely place to find him. Have you lost Christ in the closet by restraining prayer? Then it is there you must seek and find him. Did you lose Christ by sin? You will find Christ in no other way but by giving up that sin. Did you lose Christ by neglecting the scriptures? Then you must find Christ in the scriptures. It is a true proverb. Look for the thing where you dropped it, and it will be there. So look for Christ where you lost him, for he has not gone away. Then he says this. He says, Go on seeking, for it is dangerous to be without the Lord. Without Christ you are like a sheep without a shepherd, like a tree without a water at its roots like a leaf in the tempest, not bound to the tree of life. With thine whole heart seek him, and he will be found by you. Only give yourself up to the search. Pursue the search, and truly you will discover him. And so for me, I let sin in my life. And so I had to turn away from my sin. And so when I was 17, 
I remember being up in my room and I saw the power of God work in my family. I saw the trust that my parents had in God in, in the midst of a pretty difficult circumstance. And I, and I just said, you know, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you and your word. I'm going to stop my sin. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to trust that you'll give me the strength to overcome my sin. I'm going to trust you that you will deliver me from the captivity that I'm in. I'm going to trust you that the times when I fail, you're going to have grace. That's going to be able to cover me. I'm going to trust you that you are just good and gracious. And so I remember when I was 17, just, just recommitting my life to Christ saying, God, I'm going to follow you and I'll do whatever you want. And that was something to, to think about because I was planning on going into nursing, going into nursing. And so for me, it was like, God, I want to pursue you. I surrender my life to you. And, you know, I'll do nursing while I'm at it. Well, I went to college, went into the nursing program. It was about two and a half years in, and I realized that I faint when I see blood. And so I was like, Lord, maybe there's a different call on my life. Uh, but what God had shown me, I've been wrestling with with whether or not I should go into full-time ministry or not. I've been working at churches. God had opened up opportunities for me to speak in different places. And, um, and so finally I talked with some pastors, people who knew me pretty well. And not only did I have the inward calling to, to want to serve in full-time ministry, but I had the outward uh, confirmation from godly men in my life. And then God just started opening up opportunities. And so I started working on staff at churches, loving uh, ministry, loving on people. And then that's when God led me to North Carolina, uh, for my master's degree and uh, eventually led me to cross culture church. And so it has been a, a blessing uh, to be a part of cross culture thus far. And I can't wait to what God does for us, especially in 2014. So. The call uh, to vocational ministry is both exciting and terrifying at the same time. It is exciting because when it happens, you know that God has spoken to you and he has asked you to invest the rest of your life serving him and serving his local body. It's terrifying for the exact same reason. Because you know that God has spoken to you and you know that God has called you to serve him by ministering to him and to the local body of Christ. So John, got a little bit of charge for you as well. Just things for you to keep in mind as, as you continue in your days of ministry. Also from that same story in the book of Acts. Let's start with this one. John, never forget it's a God thing. That no matter what else happens, ladies and gentlemen, it's always a God thing. This call to answer. In verses 4 and 5, let me just read it from the screen. Uh, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogue to the Jews, and they also had John as their helper. It is a truth that Paul and Barnabas were answering God's call to this new work that he was calling them true. And the same is true for, for the person that answers God's call today, that it is a God thing. John, one of the things you'll always have to remember is that, is that God is the one you're accountable to. God is the one that you look to. God is the one who empowers you. It is a biblical truth that many churches have forgotten, that you are not the employee of men, that it is not... It is not committees or even congregations that are your boss, but that ultimately you answer to God. And it is to God that you must look always 
for your direction, for your power. And it is that time that you set aside, John, to, to get on your face and go before God and seek his wisdom and seek his knowledge and seek his power. It is that that will sustain you in, in your ministry because quite honestly, it will be the very lifeline of your ministry because of the second truth, which is this. It's a hard thing. It's a hard thing. In verses 6 through 8, when they had gone through the whole island as as far as Paphos, they found a magician, a Jewish false prophet whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence. And this man summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the magician, for so his name is translated, was opposing them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Man, this thing hadn't even started. It hadn't even got off the ground yet. And all of a sudden, the trouble has started. It's not a surprise. The kingdom of darkness is never happy about light penetrating. The kingdom of darkness will always oppose the light. And quite honestly, John, it's hard. It's hard at times. The call to vocational ministry is at times physically exhausting, mentally taxing, and emotionally draining. You will be oftentimes talked about, many times misunderstood, and every time a target of the enemy. It is hard to answer the call of God. And now, listen, I'm gonna, I'll explain to you why it's worth it, but you have to be sober about this and understand that this is not, this is not easy, what he embarks on. Let's get a third one in here. It's a truth thing. I'm going to fly through some of these, but it's a truth thing. Verse 9 and 10, uh, when Bar-Jesus tries to interrupt, but Saul, who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze on him and said, you are full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness. You will not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord. Clearly, Paul had attended the Bull and China Shop Seminary. Because uh, why don't you tell us how you really feel about this guy, Paul? I've had a few folks that I... uh. Listen, not every, can I say this? Not every situation calls for this direct confrontation, but every situation, every situation, John, calls for truth. Always calls for truth. Never forget truth. And you will be asked to compromise it at times. Listen, Paul, Paul, in verse 16, he gets, he gets his chance, man. He gets up and he starts preaching. And he walks him through the history of Israel and God's interacting with them. And he walks him through John the Baptist and he takes him to the cross and he takes him to the empty tomb. And he, and he kind of he winds the whole thing up in verse 39. Let me read it. This is, we just need to read this. This is good. Verse 39 and following. And through him, John, Paul's winding up his sermon. He says, and through him, everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. Therefore, take heed so that the things spoken of and the prophets may not come upon you. Behold, you scoffers and, and marvel and perish. For I am accomplishing a work in your days, a work which you will never believe, though someone should describe it to you. And as Paul and Barnabas were going out, the people kept begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. And now when the meeting of the synagogue had broken up, many of the Jews and of the God-fearing proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas 
who, speaking to them, were urging them to continue in the grace of God. One of the things I ought to jump out to you from that passage, John, is that people need truth. People will always need truth. Now, it's true that some people don't want truth. There's some people that want to hear that they're okay or that they're good enough or or that there's no eternal consequences or that Elvis hasn't left the building or anything but the truth. Anything but the truth. Your charge is to always give. As a matter of fact, if we can bring it up, 2 Timothy uh, and, and, I'll, and I'll substitute I for we, representing the church. We solemnly charge you, John, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Because, John, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Speak truth into their lives. That's a call. Real quickly, just remind it's a miraculous thing. Verse 11 and, and 12, uh, now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you and you will be blind. This is Paul speaking uh, to bar Jesus. Uh, you'll be blind and not see the sun for a time and immediately a mist and a darkness fell upon him and he went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed, watch this, when he saw what happened, being amazed at the teaching of the Lord. Uh, the truth is, God is God. He can do anything that he wants to do. But I, I, I think that I can safely say that, that we do not see um, these types of manifestations of miracles as prevalent today as perhaps they were back then. God had his reasons for that. But what you have to understand, what we all have to understand is God is still a God of the miraculous and still God always works with the miraculous. Can I just remind you, for any of you here that know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are an absolute walking, talking miracle. Because you didn't deserve it, you couldn't earn it, and you weren't even looking for it till God began to work in your heart and your life and drew you unto himself. What a, what a, what a blessed thing to know that, that the miraculous occurs every time God in, uses us to lead, lead another person to Jesus Christ, any of us. And by the way, John, just to remind you of the miraculous, the very fact that God uses men like you and me is an absolute miraculous. I Look at us, look at us, and God uses us. It is a miraculous thing the work of God and what he does in people's lives. Uh, It's a can't quit thing, John. Listen, I I won't read it. Verse 13 and 14 tells the story. uh, Just this brief little line, it says, and John Mark left them, departed from them. I mentioned, we just started a series in Mark, and I mentioned a couple weeks ago that the writer of the book of Mark, Mark was was the same John Mark who bailed out on Barnabas and, and Paul on their missionary journey. This is the event. This is the actual event here in Acts chapter 13. We don't know the reasons why he bailed out. We don't know why he quit, but we do know from what we read later on, later on that the Apostle Paul was not happy at all with John Mark bailing on them. But if we read the rest of that, it would say, but Barnabas and, and Paul continued on in their work. John, you can't quit. This church is ordaining you today because we believe that God's call is on your life. We therefore believe that, it, that what comes with that is that that is your call for the rest of your life. Now listen, ministry may adjust, assignments may change, but the call never does. The call to answer him, it's a no quit, can't quit thing, this call upon your life. And then one more, it's a fruitful thing. I'll be honest with you, this is the best part of the whole thing. It's a fruitful 
thing. In verses 48 and 49, it says, When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And, and as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region. Look at, uh, look at the next one in verse 1 of chapter 14. In Iconium, they entered the synagogue of the Jews together and spoke in such a manner that a large number of people believed both Jews and of Greeks. Verse 21, after they had preached the gospel to that city and had made disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. And many in those cities came to believe in Jesus Christ. It is, it is the fruit that is manifested as a result of your surrender to God and your desire to serve Him. It is a fruitful thing. And it's, it's, it's a, listen, it's a God thing. I know that it's a God thing, but I don't think it's a stretch to say that, that God has designed this thing to be this col- collaborative effort with, with God sending and the church at Antioch or, or the church today supporting and with Paul and Barnabas and John surrendering. And together, God uses that to produce fruit, to build his kingdom. That's your charge, John. It won't always be easy. But it will always be fruitful if you remember those truths. I'm going to ask for my brother Nate, another one of our elders, Nate Jones, to come and uh, to read the uh, elder's uh, letter of recommendation to you. Here's our recommendation. Having observed his public ministry to the people of Cross Culture Church and having observed his personal conduct as a follower of Jesus Christ, and having had the opportunity to examine both his theological convictions and his practical application of said convictions, it is the unanimous opinion of the elders representing Cross Culture Church that Jonathan Matthew Spolino meets the requirements set forth in Scripture, specifically 1 Timothy chapter 3, it's read to you earlier, and Titus chapter 1 for the office of pastor. Furthermore, it is the unanimous opinion of the elders representing Cross Culture Church that Jonathan Matthew Spolino shows every sign of having the call of God upon his life to the gospel ministry. Therefore, it is the unanimous recommendation of the elders that today, January 19th, 2014, Cross Culture Church ordained Jonathan Matthew Spolino to the gospel ministry without reservation and with full support of his call. And it's signed by each of the elders. Thank you, Nate. As a, as a, as a way of affirming uh, John's call upon his life, I'm going to ask you as a church, if you uh, have had opportunity to uh, observe John Spolino's ministry in your life, if you have the opportunity to see God's hand upon his life, if you've had the opportunity to observe uh, in his character and his conduct, all of those things that Nate just read, if you are uh, in favor of affirming that, then I'm going to ask you to affirm it uh, vocally by saying, by stating, we affirm. We affirm. Uh, John, I'm going to ask you to come, if you will, and to sit right here. And as John's coming, I'm also going to ask Amber to come and sit right over here. Now, they may be separated a little bit on the stage, but the reason I ask them both to come up here is because Amber is as intricately connected to John's ministry as anything. And I can tell you this, any, any man in ministry that is, that is married, uh, his, the success of his ministry rises and falls on, on the, the part that his wife plays in that ministry. 
her support of that ministry, her belief in her husband in that. So here's what we're going to do. Here's what the church has traditionally practiced. And we may do it a little bit different here at Cross Culture. But uh, it, right now, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you, after I finish the claim, I'm going to ask if you're here and, uh, and, and you are, uh, have been, you're a man that has been ordained uh, to a ministry of the church. You've been ordained as a deacon. You've been ordained as a pastor slash elder uh, in some capacity. Uh, as the church has traditionally practiced, I'm going to ask you to come and just gather around John and just all at one time, just gather around him and begin to, to pray for John. Just lay your hands on him and begin to pray for him as the church has been doing for thousands of years. Lay your hands on him and begin to pray for him. Some of you will want to speak a little word into his ear and just say something. That's fine. Feel free to do that. But just begin to pray. As, as, as they're doing that, I'm going to ask if there's a lady here, some, any ladies here that just you want to come and you just want to maybe just speak a word of affirmation to Amber's life or you want to just pray for her just briefly. Feel free to come down here and just, just pray with her and maybe some other ladies will be there. Feel free to go back to your seat or stay, whatever the case may be. But, uh, but just, just affirm her in, uh, in her uh, just desire to be a part of John's uh, ministry and the calling that's on her life as well. Feel free uh, to do that. But as we do, and then, and then in a few moments after we've had opportunity to pray, Nate uh, will we'll, we'll kind of wrap up this prayer time. But, uh, but let me invite you right now, just any that would like to come, just come and kneel around and, uh, and begin to pray uh, for John and, and for Amber. This call to ministry, Father. I just thank you, Lord, that we've had the privilege to work with him and to support him, uh, to be beside him, Lord. And as he commits his life now, Lord, a life of servanthood, a life to serve you, Lord. We pray that you would increase his work, increase his territory, Lord, that he would always find work to do and good pleasure in his heart for that work that he does for you. Father, we acknowledge uh, and support his calling today. We ask for prosperity and health in his life, Lord, and endurance that he will run this race, Lord, and run this race, Lord, knowing that the prize is not here on earth and that his reward is not here, Lord, but he will be looking for heavenly reward, Lord, as he works so diligently and faithfully to serve you. Father, we just thank you so much for this this calling on his life and for this dear brother that we have the opportunity to work alongside, Lord, and to not only have examined his leadership, Lord, and his commitment, Lord, but to bear witness, Lord, that he loves you with all his heart. I pray, Lord, that, uh, that, uh, he would always serve you, Lord, with enthusiasm and joy, as we know he has so far here at Cross Culture Church. And it is our desire today, Lord, to present him before you and before this church and support him and love him. In the name of Jesus Christ, we do pray and give you thanks, Father. Amen. 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 John, I want to, something that Nate said in his prayer made me think of a passage of scripture that, that I want to see, want you to see before we read. Uh, Tyler, bring the Thessalonians text up that I, that I had there. I, w- I want you to read. I want you to hear this. Because this is what it's all about, really in all of our lives, ladies and gentlemen. But when he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day, and that day is coming, ladies and gentlemen. When he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day and be marveled at among all who have believed, for our testimony to you was believed. To this end also we pray for you Always, John, that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power so that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you and you in him 
according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Nate and uh, Bill, if you guys would come and present the ordination certificate. John, if you and Amber would come and join us up here on the platform. I think you'll need that mic probably to read. Yeah, or, or use that. Yeah, either one. I have the privilege as well of uh, reading this uh, certificate of ordination. And it, and it reads like this. We, the undersigned, upon the recommendation and request of the elders at Cross Culture Church, which had full and sufficient opportunity for judging the God-given gifts And after satisfactory examination by us in regard to the Christian experience, call to the ministry and views of Bible doctrine, hereby certify that Jonathan Matthew Spolino was solemnly and publicly set apart and ordained to the work of the gospel ministry by authority and order of the elders at Cross Culture Church on the 19th day of January, 2014. Amen. John, it's, uh, it's our honor also to present this God's Holy Word, Holy Bible, to you. We hope it'll be special to you and remember uh, where you were ordained, no matter where God takes you, whatever ministry you're doing, any part of the world, wherever. Um, you know, we, we hope you'll, this will be special to you and uh, be a reminder of what, you know, what's important and whose you are, your, your service for the Lord. We Appreciate you. Amber, come on over. Um, the title uh, "Reverend" is a, an ecclesiastical or a church title that has traditionally been assigned uh, to men who have answered God's call, have been sanctioned by a local church, and and have been ordained into the gospel ministry. It comes from a Latin phrase that means to revere or to uh, hold in high esteem or to honor. Now, because of that, uh, some of us have sometimes perhaps been a little reluctant uh, to, uh, to use that title or have that title attached to us uh, sometimes. Um, but it is our prayer, uh, John, that through the years that your life would be such an example that the fruit of the Spirit would be so manifested in your life that people would honor uh, you, that people would hold you in high regard not as a result of who you are, but as a result of the work that God has done in your life. And it is uh, all of our honor uh, today uh, to present to you your Reverend John Matthew Spolino. We certainly hope you enjoyed today's message, and we pray that you were challenged to answer the call of God upon your own life. You may not be called to full-time vocational ministry like John was, but all of us have a call to engage the world around us with the good news of Jesus.
We're glad you joined us for this week's Crosswalk. Each week, Pastor Clay opens the Bible and brings out its exciting and practical truths to apply to our everyday lives. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. And we welcome anyone who is looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, We experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross, and it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.